Uh, verge of what? Uh, a, a broken heart. Uh, what are some of those songs? <laughs> I don't know. I'm Ladies tired. Ladies and Sorry. gentlemen, Mr. Conway. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am a little ornery today. I am working on three hours of sleep, so I'm high on silly. I uh, You know, I have not slept well since January, so. I yeah. Did. Sorry I did about it. that. So. Um, all right. So we're back. Hey, everybody. How are you? Hello, friends. We are excited to be back. Thank you for tuning in. And back to regular, well, I think regular recording. Yeah. And um, I think the response has been pretty good. Yeah. Now I that thought, we stopped gallivanting around the country. Exactly. Exactly. I think we've gotten positive feedback from our listener. Yeah. My mom loves the show. <laughs> So, what are we talking about this? Well, let's, before that, everybody always wants to know how your week was. What did you do last yeah. week? Well, okay, so I've already burned half a tank of gas today, driving from court to court <laughs> and dropping off children all over the eastern part of the state, the unnamed state in which we live. So, that's been fun. But <laughs> and you got busted through security at the courthouse because you had a fork. I had a fork in my purse. Um <laughs> I was told that it could, it had prongs on it, like, like this was news. <laughs> I'm like, oh, dude, tell me more. Please explain things to me. <laughs> and that it could be used to hurt someone as he was like doing the psycho <laughs> motion. And then I was contemplating how many other. That was Jimmy, Jamie Lee Curtis's mom, right? Yeah. Vivian Lee, right? Janet Lee. Janet Lee. Okay. Vivian Lee was Scarlett O'Hara. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So Janet Lee, and yeah. that's Jamie Lee Curtis's, and Tony Curtis is her dad, yes. right? Okay. Yes. Very good. I'm not suggesting any of these people are not still alive. <laughs> I am bad at that. Actually, with the exception of Jamie Lee Curtis, all deceased. Um, and I'm not laughing at them being deceased. No. I'm laughing at me because I mix my ponderables frequently. Right. Um, just the other day, he completely exterminated the cast of a movie. Um, <laughs> That's okay, because she said a different director who may or may not have been incarcerated at the time this was filmed. Look, words are hard. <laughs> All right, back to the fork. Okay, so back to the fork. So then after I get my fork taken away and they wrapped it up in a tissue so that, and I was told. Because it's the COVID fork. Right. I could, and I was like, oh God, please don't let there be lasagna on there because that was the last thing I remember my daughter eating in the car. And he wrapped it up in a tissue and informed me that I could retrieve it as I exited the courthouse. (laughs) So then I started thinking about all the other things in my purse that could possibly be used as weaponry. And it included my keys Two hairbrushes, a lint brush. Really, a lint brush? Yeah. Well, you know I have pets. There's hair everywhere. What, you're going to sticky somebody? Yes. Okay. That's why I'm going to tape roll them to death. <laughs> no, if you grab the tape end and went, eh. Okay. Psycho motion again. Yeah, I got eh, it. Yes. For listeners. I think everybody it's, 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 it's it, was not a, a, it was implied. It's not a visual medium. <laughs> so, But we do need cameras at some point I so know. that people can see how ridiculous we really are. Right, because you got to see this face because this face needs deliverance. So <laughs> then I thought about I'm all the things in my purse that I could actually use as weapons. And then I thought, why are there so many things in my purse? <laughs> <laughs> well, for those of you who haven't seen her purse or had to sit next to it in a restaurant... <laughs> My gosh. It's a little large. Tiny little bit. So what else did you... Okay, so aside from practically getting arrested because you were trying to fork people. And everyone... Okay, just relax. I got the fork back. Our 
family silver is in, intact. Silver. The, <laughs> the Stephanie family fine <laughs> yes. silver. No. Um, so what did you do? Nothing. Nothing? Okay, no. cool. Thanks for letting <laughs> me carry the whole weight of this on my back. You're going to have to carry the whole show today. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. I love the sound of my own voice. <laughs> I will weigh in with witty banter from time to time, but I'll be the only one that thinks it's witty. That's amazing. So so one thing I did do this week was I watched the so final you're episode. Done with me? Yes. Okay, moving on. You've already said <laughs> you have nothing to bring to the good of the order. That is true. So... I was watching the last episode of MASH, and I saw on YouTube that it said it was three hours. And I was like, surely that wasn't three hours. And then it said it had the commercials in it. And I got real excited to watch the original commercials. Oh, it was the, the, I didn't understand that it was the original airing. Original commercials. So did somebody record it on VCR, or did they record it with a camera? They recorded it on their VCR. And then I believe they recorded it with their phone and then posted that to YouTube. <laughs> okay, because I have seen TV shows recorded with a video camera. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, can't you just hook that shit into the TV and record? Right, I think that you're skipping a step. <laughs> I, I, think I, I don't know. Maybe overcomplicated. I'm not this. really tech savvy, but. I've also seen the people who videotape a movie. And then post it to sell or whatever they do. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that is just the shittiest quality I've ever seen. Just go to the movie. Right. And I'm, I, isn't that what the whole FBI warning's about on the tapes? It should be in fact. The tapes when the, we were kids. The tapes. Right. The tapes. Water. For those of you under the age of 30. The Watergate tapes. Yes. So I was watching By that. the way, yeah. if, if you are in a job that mm-hmm, is, you mm-hmm. know, really high profile, yeah. and maybe you sometimes have to do some sketchy stuff. Mm, sketchy. Just a thought, maybe don't put really good recording devices throughout your office. That's probably true. That, kids, just an important safety tip. The more you know. The more you know. Do, do, do. That's <laughs> right. a vi- not for a visual. Back moment. to what you were talking about. Okay, so I was watching the original commercials, and some of them were just hysterical there was a commercial for stamps i didn't know we needed to commercialize stamps stamps. like i thought that that was just one of those things like toilet paper you buy it you gotta have them right everybody stamps were 13 cents oh wow i know i don't remember stamps ever being less than a quarter i remember a five dollar book of stamps 20 stamps what does that mean? They were a piece. <laughs> You're the mathematician. <laughs> 20 cents each. Oh, okay. Because I remember them right? being a quarter. I don't know. I'm saying it with authority so right. people will believe me. Mm, who who directed witness? <laughs> <laughs> How is Gus Van Zandt? Does anyone know? <laughs> My own private Idaho. I was all confused. Uh, that was a great movie too, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it, it really was really good. So. Um, but to what were some of the other... I think that is hilarious though that we're advertising stamps, but yes. I know. I just like... Isn't that like water? I mean, you just got to have it. <laughs> so like this was when fruit roll-ups were new. So they were coming in hot with fruit roll-ups. Oh my gosh. 25 cents, by the way. Five dollar oh, okay. book stamps, 25 cents each. Okay, now everybody that's what knows I remember. that I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> everybody knows that he has a calculator on his um, computer. But my favorite one of all of them was a commercial for a Cutlass Sierra, which at the time, yes, I thought was the peak of sophistication because on the door, it had those flags on it. Oh, my gosh. What about <laughs> Ricardo Montalban selling fine Corinthian leather for Chrysler? You didn't think those were super fancy? 
I don't remember you that. You surely had pants for Ricardo Montalban. Well, I did until I found out that chess piece that he wore in Wrath of Khan was fake. Those were not his pecs. Oh. And I've been angry. I've been salty ever since. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably cut that out because I'll offended somebody, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> right. It's just I'm six foot tall and that's a lot to deal with. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, somebody called me out because they, they knew that I edited this and they're like, you know, you left in the part that said, I'm going to cut that out, but you cut out the part that you cut oh, out. Oh, no. And they wanted to know what I cut out. And I'm like, well, I don't know. It was probably where I was randomly killing off people on right. accident. The entire <laughs> cast of Clue, rest in peace. In all fairness, some of them have some passed. Some of them have passed. And, you know, I'll never get over Madeline Kahn because she was the greatest. Indeed. But, so I, I have a little piece of news that we can circle back to one of our earlier episodes. Okay. Um, in our true crime episode, we talked about the case of Maura Murray, and they had just found those bones right. in Vermont at the ski lodge, and they sent them off to a forensic um, pathologist, and it turns out that they were not Maura Murray's remains. Oh. So um, I am both happy and sad about that because... You know, she's been gone for a long time, so, you know, you just don't know what's going on. And I'm also alarmed at, yet again, the number of just bodies laying about in the wilderness. Right. I mean, (laughs) um, seriously, get outside once in a while. Uh, It's terrifying. No, it really is. I'm like, It's uh... it's incredibly sad. I will tell you, too, I noticed, and it's been out a while, I, I meant to mention it some time ago, there is now a podcast dedicated to the Murdoch murders. Oh, there's two. Oh, there's two? There's oh two. Oh, my God. There's one. I'm going to have to tune in because this, it's so bizarre, right? You you think this can't be real. Right. Because it's like that Lori Vallow thing with the, the she killed her two kids and oh, then they yeah. killed, she killed her husband. He killed his wife. They killed her two kids. Then her brother dies and her brother's the one that killed her husband. Right. And it's like, what the f- is going on with you Confused, people? Confused, you won't be after this episode of Soap. <laughs> it's perhaps. So at any rate, no, I was, I, I had to chuckle when I said, and again, I'm not laughing at the murders. I'm not no. laughing at the demise of people. Oh my God, no. I'm chuckling in the sense that this is so twisted, you would expect it to be fictional. Right. It's like if you, if you propose this as a plot for a movie. No one would buy it. Right. Everyone would be like... Come that's on. just crazy. That's I mean, not believable. That's not believable at right. all. Oh, I'm sorry. She fell down, she died, and then all of a sudden the kid's dead. Come on. No one believes right. that. And then, um, you know, she got a. they gave her a $5 million settlement, and the kids got $83.52 or something. Just right. utterly absurd. Right. Yeah. There's no way that that would pass muster in Hollywood. And the same thing with the Lori Vallow thing, because they uh, talk about yeah. extra lives. Remind us about both the, the Lori Vallow and the Maura Murray. Maura Murray um, disappeared in... I can't. I think it was actually in Massachusetts, but at the part where Massachusetts and Vermont are close to each other. February of '04. Yeah, and she had wrecked her car, and no one has ever seen her since. Oh, that is awful. There's guts. I just looked it up. Pictures of her, absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And her, her, not, f- that came out wrong. Right. Not, if you're ugly, we it's only okay. care about pretty no. people. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's not what I mean. Um, I, it just how sad. And, yeah. And to not know, mm-hmm. that's the, the really challenging part as, as 
as difficult as my loss was earlier this year, I had closure. Right. And I, I could not imagine just never knowing what happened. Right. It's like the girl who was murdered in our hometown. Right. It's been, what, 25 years now? Right. And Nobody knows. No right. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I understand what you're saying when you say that you're both happy and sad. Sad because there's no closure, but happy that maybe there's some hope. Maybe, maybe there was a Maybe she's injury. somewhere out. I mean, right. There was a lot of alcohol in the car, and she had had a wreck earlier, and, you know, she was having some personal issues. And so maybe she ran off because she didn't know what to do. But it's very – I didn't know how to feel when I found out that it actually wasn't her remains. And right. then um, the Lori Vallow case is uh, she met a man named Chad Daybell at a, uh, a spiritual conference, and he told her that he has lived many lives, and they have been married in like nine of his previous 42 lives. As you do. And she's a goddess, and and I was like, what? Well, I told my husband because we were watching the episode. I was like, "When was the last time you called me a goddess?" But that's either here or there. A, that's a whole. <laughs> that's a whole other psychosis. We are not going to talk about that thread. I was just kidding. <laughs> um, but after she meets him, then sh- her brother shoots her husband. Uh, Chad's wife mysteriously dies in her sleep. This is Chad Debo. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then uh, they get married, like, two weeks before Chad's wife died. He used his Amazon account to buy wedding rings. And so it's the timing of it is a little suspect. Okay. And then her two children disappeared, and they eventually found their remains in the backyard of Chad Daybell's home. And to top all of this off, Chad Daybell was previously a grave digger and i'm like come on again like murder i mean there's just so many moving parts here you right. think how is this how is this real is there a dedicated is there a dedicated podcast to either of these or there you know has it? been hold on i have to look up the more murray one but the chad da- or the murdoch one is hold on impact of influence the Murdoch Family Murders by Matt Harris and Seton Tucker. And they are local South Carolina people who have um, taken this on. It's actually pretty good. They have had some legal experts, like a former prosecutor, um, has come on and talked about... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Her remains were found in New Hampshire. A former prosecutor has come on and talked about how the law works and in reference specifically to the one brother being in a boating accident where a girl died. I mean, it just goes on and on. It's like the people that you didn't want to get too close to these people because you never knew when you were going to (laughs) die. That's fair. It's true. Uh, Again, though, and I also want to say that one of our most listened to episodes was the nod to true crime to the true crime genre, which is difficult for me to say for some reason. Um, so obviously that is a genre that is not going anywhere anytime soon. I, I keep seeing new podcasts popping up. People are out there hypothesizing, trying to help to solve crime or explain 
Um, some take a more humorous approach to it, which if that's not your thing, don't be upset by it. That's how some people are able to process. Right. And I've never s- listened to a podcast that talked about the the people in, who were murdered or anything like that in anything but respectful terms. Right. Sort of the, you know, tropes with the cops and these things that go on are, are where the humor comes from. The defendants. The, right. The, the sheer lunacy of some of their actions. Like, right. I don't know, hey, let me hire a guy who's blind in one eye and has cataracts in the other to kill me on the side of the road. Right. And lo and behold, he grazed me. Right. So. I just listened to one today <laughs> where this guy, it was on a show called um, Accident, Suicide, or Murder. Ooh. And... It was about a woman who drowned in a bathtub, and when her husband called 911, he was like, um, could you be really quiet when you get here because my kids are asleep? And I'm like, and this is on a show called Murder, Suicide, or Accident, and I'm like, um... The only mystery here is why it's on this show, because it's clearly a murder. I mean, it just goes on. He had but, taken but, out like $700,000 of life insurance two days before. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> this isn't a show called Rush to Judgment. <laughs> he was like doing the hey there, hi there, ho there thing at the right. visitation, like glad handing everybody, oh telling all the women, ooh, you look so good. So it's it's really interesting, and I'm going to screw up the title of the book. Um, Malcolm Gladwell released a new book not that long ago that I listened to on Audible, which, by the way, I have to say, is the only way to read a Malcolm Gladwell book because he narrates it. Oh, I'm, he reads it? Yes, he does. And oh, okay. I, I think I've said this before. I'd listen to him read the phone book because yeah. he's got such a calm and soothing voice. Mm-hmm. Talking to Strangers is the name of the book. Oh. Absolutely phenomenal. And there are a couple of several concepts that he brings up in there. But one of them is one that that really sticks with me, default to truth, Mm -hmm. that, you know, as humans, we we have this desire to believe what people are telling us. But moreover, he spent time talking about people who don't behave like we think they should Mm -hmm. and are rushed to judgment. And sometimes those people end up incarcerated simply because their affect wasn't what we anticipate. And Mm -hmm. I'm not, I, I don't know anything about this case you're talking about and Certainly, right. I, the the timing of certain actions are definitely suspicious, but the gland handling people at the funeral, something I think there was something similar to that. It had to do with the death and the affect of the person who became the suspect and and ultimately the defendant, mm-hmm. and it, it's and was later exonerated. Um, because they weren't acting the way that we thought that they should. At any rate, absolutely phenomenal book. Malcolm Gladwell also has a podcast, Revisionist History, that is phenomenal. I would encourage everybody to listen to that. I am confident he doesn't know who we are. <laughs> Malcolm, if you're listening, you we know. We love you. <laughs> Give me your address. I'll send you a sticker. <laughs> oh, I wanted to tell you this. If you go to Chipotle and you mention that you listen to us, they will look at you funny. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny that you talked about food <laughs> because that's one of the things that we're talking about. It is we one of the things we're talking giving about. Giving a nod this week to organizations that help to feed the hungry yes. and also help to address food insecurity. Interestingly enough, 38 million people in the United States are food insecure. And of that number, 12 million of them are children. And if that number in the wealthiest country and the most gifted, blessed country in the world, if that number doesn't stagger you, 
Mm-hmm. It should. You've got to step back and ask yourself what's wrong. Right. You can you can say all you want to this ridiculous notion that people are poor because they don't work hard enough or people are poor because of whatever reason. You can cast whatever judgment you want to. I, I don't really care. You can deal with your maker about that when the time comes. But 12 million kids, are you telling me they're lazy? Are you telling me they're not working hard enough? These are kids who, by a cosmic twist of fate, didn't land in the families that the rest of us did. Mm -hmm. And I'll do you one better. Not only are there 12 million children who are food insecure, there are as many as 160,000 active duty military members who are having trouble feeding their families. And we talked about some of those statistics on Veterans Day. Right. And and I apologize, we dropped that episode on Saturday because I couldn't pull my shit together to get it edited and ready to go on Friday. We're doing the best we can, everybody. We are, and it doesn't take much to overwhelm me. I have to be rebooted two or three times a day. But yeah, that's and those numbers again staggering. And when we look at a defense budget, and and I'm I like my freedom, I like my defense, I, I have no problem with it. But when we look at that budget and compare it to 130,000 families who are 160 160,000 families who are food insecure, who are probably living at or below the poverty level, mm-hmm. we really have to ask ourselves what is our value system. Right, and the one of the most um, striking things that I found in researching for today's episode is that there's actually an obscure agricultural department rule that prevents thousands of needy military families from accessing SNAP government assistance programs, which is more commonly known as food stamps. Right. So I am, and then my head exploded right. and <laughs> I, I so. had to go take a lap because I was like, what the hell is going on? How does this even happen? This problem is so widespread that the armed services, YMCA and Blue Star families have developed an infrastructure of food banks near most of our major domestic bases. And that's terrific. And, that's and fantastic. Our and communities across the nation have come together in in our community, it began as a joint effort between multiple faith-based organizations and putting together a food pantry. And I I am, trust me, I am all for communities taking care of their own. I am all for not using taxpayer dollars if we don't have to Mm -hmm. and community members coming together. But that's only part of the problem. That's dealing with a symptom. It's not dealing with the root cause of what got people there. So, you know, looking at organizations that not only help to provide food to fill that gap, but also organizations that work to make a difference to help to end childhood poverty and to break that cycle of poverty that some families get stuck and sucked into. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things about nutrition in your childhood years is that um, in a former life, I did work about the death penalty, um, defending people who were sentenced to death in Nevada. And one of the things that you have to do what's called a mitigation profile. And you talk about the things that they endured when they were children. These are not excuses. This is just to give people a full picture of the life that this person has led. And many, many, many times these children came from places, families, homes, foster homes, foster care, that they didn't have good nutrition And as we learn more about how our brains develop, I'm convinced that lack of good nutrition and lack of access to important 
micronutrients and macronutrients can develop how can impact how people's brains develop and could lead to adverse outcomes in adulthood. Oh, absolutely. And don't forget, we talked a, a few episodes ago about toxic stress. Kids who grow up in environments of domestic violence, severe abuse, and severe extreme neglect, and how that creates a toxic stress response, which actually over time can cause physical changes to a child's brain. Mm-hmm. And, and ends up with a smaller brain than their peer group who was not subjected to toxic stress. And that goes along with what I read from Hunger and Health. It says that food insecurity doesn't exist in isolation. As low-income families are affected by multiple overlapping issues like lack of affordable housing, social isolation, chronic or acute health problems, high medical costs, and low wages. So all of these things conspire together to create these adverse outcomes that we have to deal with later on down the line. Right, right. Um, Talking about the organizations that first provide relief, can we start there? Sure. So organizations that are uh, supplying food pantries, organizations that are shipping food to to communities in need. Feeding America is one. It's um, one of the largest charitable hunger relief organizations with more than 200 member food banks and food rescue programs. Um, Meals on Wheels, of course, helps to bring bring food to the elderly. We have the U.S. Agency for International Development, which has a global health initiative, maternal and child health initiative, and overall nutrition initiative. The UN's World Food Program to provide food aid to meet emergency needs and and economic support and development of of, uh, social development rather, and then of course, child and adult food care programs uh, through the USDA. You talked about SNAP. There's Mm -hmm. also um, temporary assistance for needy families. There's uh, women, infants, and children. So there are some programs out there. Some of those programs unfortunately have, I think, some relatively arcane rules that bump people off of support if they do certain things like, and I think this is more so if a family is receiving cash assistance, not allowed to have a savings account over a certain dollar amount, things that we really want to encourage. And that, to me, is one of the silliest. Right. Um, have to work at least 30 hours a week, but then won't provide child care support. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes these families get stuck in a catch-22. Right. They get caught in this weird vortex where they're trying to do the best that they can, but the more that they do, the less they're eligible for. Right. And, and I want to be clear. Who we're talking about today, we're talking about the vast majority of people who are living at or below the poverty level who are struggling every day to feed themselves and to feed their, their families. We're not talking about people lounging on their couches who don't want to work, who game the system. That's not who we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But I have to tell you, those people are getting help from the system too. And that's just what happens. I'm not saying it's okay, but I'm saying that's not everybody in that system. So we're talking about those folks truly in need. And that's the vast majority of people who are participating in those programs. Right. And, you know, if those people have kids and those kids are getting fed, then so be it. Right. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And if somebody games the system and they get something that really they're not entitled to, well, you know what? Again, you can explain that to your maker. Right. There's a whole lot of waste that goes on, and as long as the kids are getting fed, uh, that's just the way it goes. Right. The World Central Kitchen is what I was looking for that Jose Andres started, and I apologize if I don't say it correctly. It's a He's from Spain, 
Um, they're the ones that went to Puerto Rico after the hurricane. Okay. And he fed all those people. Um, he was this UN group about uh, feeding uh, world hunger actually won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2020. Oh, so this isn't just a United States problem. Obviously, this is a global problem. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, it was when it was uh, when the people in Ethiopia had gone through the famine. And I always thought that, you know, people who were hungry and starving and didn't have access to food lived somewhere else. It was a real kick in the ass finding out that they live here, too. That they live next door. <laughs> right. So there's always, um, you know, around this time of year, because it's Thanksgiving, People are always looking to see how they can give to a food bank or how they can best help their community. And according to this website, uh, which was, uh, you're going to have to cut this out. It's a Mental Floss article that talks about 12 ways that you can help your local food bank. I'm sorry. It's a what article? Mental Floss. Okay. Sorry. I kind of like swallowed my face there. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that you can do is volunteer. You know, um, if you're not comfortable dealing with people, that's fine. But they need people to sort donations, stock shelves, and deliver care packages. You can host a pantry donation party because, you know, uh, we all have non-perishable food items in our pantries that have been sitting there for a long time. And one of the most important and probably underutilized ways to help is to give money. Because most food banks buy food in wholesale in bulk or in other discounted rates, meaning that they can get a much larger amount of food for a pretty small amount of money. So it's the best bang for your buck in terms sure. of um, how to help the help in the food pantry. Um, find out if your company will participate in a matching gift program. Make a holiday donation in someone else's name. Don't donate items that your food bank can't use. And this specifically says that they won't accept alcohol. I will let you know that I will accept alcohol. (laughs) So you can drop that off at Weekend Media Headquarters. (laughs) If you're a gardener, see if the food bank can accept some fresh produce because there always is that tipping point at one point in time in the summer where everybody has way too many green beans, tomatoes, cucumbers, (laughs) or whatever else. Um, Think outside the kitchen. Um, A lot of times people who are food insecure also need things like cosmetics and hygiene products, food, baby food, diapers, cleaning supplies, toilet paper, soap, and toothpaste. Don't forget about spices and condiments. They also need ketchup, salt and pepper, mayonnaise, mustard, and sriracha. I wonder why sriracha made that list. That is interesting. Right? It goes through sort of your basic thing and then sriracha. Your staples and then right. sriracha, which right. I have none in my house. And Cholula. I mean, maybe they want that too. <laughs> contact your contact. I'm so sorry. I'm tired, so my face is like not cooperating. Contact your congressperson or write a letter to your local and state representatives about the importance of food banks and the work that they do to feed the hungry in your community. And I would also encourage you to talk to your congressperson about the fact that there's 160,000 military families that don't right. have enough food. And 12 million children. These are children we're talking about. Right. Um, arrange to donate leftovers from your party. Now, I thought this one was very interesting. Wouldn't those be perishable items? Right, but I think that they mean more like... Um, when you go down to like a soup kitchen or something like that, like if you have a catered event and you take that stuff to them, okay, um, that's kind of what I got out of okay. that. Okay. But um, and then also remember that people are in need all year round. People don't need don't people need help outside of Thanksgiving and Christmas. 
But for those who are who are most keen to contribute during those times, certainly don't stop. No, don't stop. Consider though, instead of going to the grocery store and buying a case of of canned goods, maybe giving cash, like Stephanie says, so that they can buy two or three or four cases. Yeah. Also, keep an eye on your local grocery stores because frequently those grocery stores are contributing thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds of food a year. And we need to make sure that we're supporting those local businesses. Absolutely. And, you know, we all use social media to complain about the most minor inconvenience that you can. Well, no, you can't find me. No, I can't find you. Um, I do. And I have, but I also try to um, provide positive feedback when a business does something or an individual does something that goes above and beyond. Talk about how your local grocery store has given, you know, $20,000 to the hunger, hunger organization is, I really can't talk. We just need to stop this right now. (laughs) (laughs) To whatever local organization that helps feed the hungry. There you go. It only took me, I don't know, two or three times. Maybe I should start drinking. (laughs) Maybe you should have to start editing these podcasts. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, I want to talk briefly about some organizations that that work to educate people about poverty and and ways to end poverty. One that really caught my eye is an organization called Kids Can Make a Difference. Hmm. And they can be found at kidscanmakeadifference.org. And what they talk about is working with kids. I'll just read it straight from their website, website. Inspiring kids to end hunger and poverty in their communities, their country, and their world. Their focus is on uh, middle school and high school students. Mm-hmm. And hitting these kids as they're entering into middle school, as they're starting to develop that understanding of the broader world, mm-hmm. and to, to help them to understand that the person sitting next to you at the lunch table who has a carrot to eat or who is eating a piece of cheese may be somebody who comes from a family that's food insecure. Mm -hmm. One of the other things is, is, and this was my experience growing up, I knew a family, wonderful, wonderful family that had fallen on hard times. And it was everything that one of their parents could do to provide any amount of food for the family and ultimately ended up having to go on some public assistance, Mm -hmm. food stamps. The dad refused to eat. Mm. He would not eat because he couldn't provide for his family. Right. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of the philosophy, everybody needs some help every now and then. Right. And sometimes people fall harder than others. And just because you haven't fallen that hard maybe drop to your knees and say a thank you. Right. Just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it won't. Doesn't mean it can't. Right. And, and any one of us could find ourselves in that position, and we need to be grateful for what we have, and we need to be giving to others. Absolutely. In a non-judging manner. And that goes for me, too. I struggle with this concept of handing cash to somebody on the side of the road because I get a little jaded about, well, you know, are they going home to a house nicer than mine? Are they drinking? And then a friend of mine said that her sister tells her what they do with the money is on them. Yeah. And I and I, honestly, I try and give to organizations that help to in poverty, that help to feed people as opposed to just handing cash to somebody. But it has certainly helped me to say, hey, you know what? A few bucks doesn't hurt me. Right. And I, I mean, if you're a person of faith, 
I believe in the Bible, Jesus says something about like give, and I'm going to mess this up horribly, but my friend that I used to work with in Nevada, we would always go to this one place for two for one burgers on Tuesdays and we would get an extra hamburger and bring it to one of the homeless people that sat outside of our office. Um, It's like your mission, if you believe in this, is Jesus says like give, it's not your place to judge what is done it's your place to give right and that's it that's right. all you're required to do and also there are multiple places in the bible that talk about giving and having it come back to you multiple fold mm-hmm. and you know i'm not saying give with that expectation i'm saying give there's an upside to it mm-hmm. so the, if for no other reason than it's the right thing to do right absolutely but again too i stress that it's a community's responsibility to take care of their own mm-hmm. until they can take care of themselves right um there are other organizations that do yeoman's work to end childhood poverty and um, i have seen those organizations make a difference i've worked with one of them in the past And when they started, they had 20 families or so enrolled in this program that was designed to teach skills to help families get out of poverty. Mm -hmm. By the time, I think it was about a year and a half later, there were about six families left that were working the plan. One had actually graduated from the program and had gone off and become independent. Oh. And I've got to tell you, one out of 20, I like those numbers. Sure. I, I'll take it. That's yeah. a victory. Yeah, absolutely. Those are X amount of children that are no longer needing food. Right. Absolutely. Um, also, looking at, uh, at state programs that provide free and reduced lunches for kids. I remember a story, and I was absolutely appalled and i i can't remember if it was a state official or a federal official who insisted that kids who are receiving free and reduced lunches ought to be made to clean the cafeteria oh yeah to earn yeah. their lunch and and i could not have been more revolted by that was that. somewhere we were in tennessee at the time that was somewhere in the south because i remember like wow that sounds like fun right and, and to, to do that to a child who mm-hmm. had, through no fault of their own, right. is receiving a free or reduced lunch. So, you know, things like that, you've got to understand what type of deep and terrible impact that can have on a child and, and, and shapes their view of the world and shapes, more importantly, their view of themselves. Right. So remember, give, give freely give willingly, it will come back to you. I've experienced that. Everyone I know who's given has experienced that. Mm-hmm. Don't go into it expecting it, but know that good things can happen and just do it and shut up about it. Right. And like we talked about last week about if you know someone who's struggling or you need help, reach out. There is absolutely no shame in getting the help that you need to get to where you want to be. There's not. You may feel that, but there's not. And anyone who judges you is kind of a piece of shit. So you do what you have to do to take care of you and your family. And the people, people will be there for you. Right. But you have to do it. Right. You have to take that step to get help. And you have to take that step to try and turn the corner. Um, I think we can find some national organizations that can direct people to help in their communities. We can put that in the show notes. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I read on the United States Department of Agriculture website is that rural communities have a lot of food insecurity. That doesn't surprise me. Fewer resources, fewer jobs. Right. But 
it took me a minute to kind of process that because you don't think of um, scarcity in rural areas. At least I don't because you think about scarcity in inner cities where they sure. are food deserts. You know, there's miles and blocks and blocks and blocks with nothing but convenience stores. But then I thought as I was driving through rural un- unnamed state today, thinking about all those little towns around that have nothing. Right. Nothing. And you can't walk someplace. You can't take a bus someplace. That's it. No train, no trolley, no public transportation, nothing. No Lyft, no Uber, nothing. And if you don't have a driver's license or your driver's license has been suspended or you don't have a car or Mm -hmm. you don't have insurance and you can't drive the car, that creates that vicious cycle that you were talking about of how people tend to get locked into poverty. Mm -hmm. And then at that point... Desperation breeds bad decision-making. Right, which only creates more consequences. And it's just, it's like I said earlier, it's a vortex. You cannot get out of it. So then I started looking at food deserts because I'm very interested in sort of this concept that there's an abundance of food, but it's not good food. Okay. You know? So when you talk about like convenience stores, yeah, convenience stores, you can get... You can get everything that's salty, <laughs> fatty, <I love> carby, <laughs> sugary. I mean, you know, there's not a fresh vegetable. In <laughs> right. and, and I'm going to jump in real quick and then, and then give it back to you. When you talk about that, one of those organizations, and in particular, the Kids Can Make a Difference, talks and teaches kids about nutrition. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for some of these families running in and grabbing prepackaged food and tossing it at their kids on their way out the door to go to their second or third job. Right. That's just what they have to do. Mm-hmm. But teaching kids about nutrition and about how they can take better care of themselves just better equips them. Right. And it's one of those weird things. Like when we were still in school, there were home ec classes. And then it seemed like schools went completely away from those types of things. And now you see that coming back because it's like a boomerang that we've we've realized the importance of those skills of, of cooking and managing a budget and figuring out how to make the maximum effort with the dollars that you have. So it's just funny. I guess if you live long enough, you see everything come back around. Right. And you know, this is a conversation that I've had with people on a, on a larger scale talking about a community or a country's ability to feed itself Mm -hmm. and the fact that we see more corporate farms, we see more um, generational farm families turning away from farming. And when you really start to look at this and you think, okay, a country's inability to feed itself is a national security issue. It is a national security issue. Because it makes you dependent upon other countries for food, mm-hmm. which then makes you susceptible to their political leanings right. one way You're or the other. You're completely vulnerable when right. that starts to go. So, you know, when you talk about those rural communities and not having resources there, one of the things through a lot of rural communities is, 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 is that we would hope that there's farm ground. We would hope that there's farming activities but are we teaching families how they can actually feed themselves? Mm-hmm. That they can what they can grow, how they can preserve it over the winter months, and and use some of that to supplement their needs. And that's one of the things um, in, in an article that I I looked at. It talks about ways to help in places where there are food deserts, and one of them, which I think is I'm getting to your point, but one of them which I thought was very clever is to establish bus stop farmers markets. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, because the people are going to come there. It makes it easy for them to access the produce and, you know, the the fresh fruits and vegetables and items that they wouldn't find at a convenience store. But another thing they talk about is community gardens. Mm-hmm. And that right. would be a great thing to do in a rural community to set aside some 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 ground that people could actually grow their own food. I would not be a good participant because I'd sneak <laughs> in and take all of the tomatoes. <laughs> That's funny. Um, the only thing I've ever really had any, well, because we were trying to do this in Nevada. So the only thing I ever really. Which is a desert. It is a desert. The only thing we really were successful with was like these little tiny peppers. And somewhere in the, in the cloud is a picture of like three little peppers and a cherry tomato. And that was our harvest. So if I'm in charge of growing your food, go with God. Because right. you're going to go so good. Right. Because the Stephanie fam did not eat well that winter. <laughs> no. Um, they talk about improving public transportation options. And you think about public transportation in in a city, in an inner city context, but what about transportation options in a rural area? Mm-hmm. You know, why don't we make, uh, you know, have a service that, you know, the bus takes you to the grocery store, you know, three towns away right. on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So, you know, I didn't think about it in a rural context, but it absolutely works. And those are some good public-private partnerships Mm -hmm. where you have a community providing the bus service and you have a grocery store who's helping to to supplement some of those, subsidize rather, Mm -hmm. some of those costs because it's going to bring consumers to them. Right. So those types of partnerships absolutely shouldn't be overlooked either. This is an area where a little bit of creativity goes a long way. Right. I mean, you know, if you had a, I don't know, let's name a grocery store, Kroger, somewhere in eastern Tennessee that people couldn't get to, but they had like the Kroger bus come around and pick people up, uh, those people aren't going to shop anywhere other than Kroger if they ever leave that area. Right. And that's that's a captive audience. Right. And and what a great marketing tool. And and I, I think there are just so many good things that can come if we were a little bit more creative in our public-private partnerships. Right. Um, they talk about implementing uh, sort of dollar store restrictions where you can just limit the number of places where people can get just crap food. I right. don't know that I agree with that, but... Well, the problem is, this is that you get into these arguments from various lobbies about, well, you know, why are you limiting chocolate milk and strawberry milk? We, we you know, you're, you're allowing regular milk. This is an actual case. Uh, the USDA was going to limit the purchase with, uh, with public assistance of anything other than just regular milk. Mm -hmm. And then these lobbies for these flavored milks just lost their mind and filed suit and they won. And, you know, I I get it. Does flavored milk have an equal opportunity? Right, exactly. (laughs) And you think, okay, you know. Equal protection under the law for strawberry milk. Amount of (laughs) sugar that is in those products that these kids are starting their day out with is is pretty alarming. But at any rate, you're right. It's it's probably not going to go anywhere. Yeah, it's just, this is spitballing, you know. Um, they talk about food co-ops, nonprofits, and government-run supermarkets. And there's actually a supermarket. Okay, no. No to government-run supermarkets. I remember a line from one of our favorite TV shows. If it were left up to the government to cure polio, we'd have the best iron, iron lung, lung in business, the world. Iron lung business, yeah. And no, po- no cure for polio. Right. But actually, there's a 
they say that there's a government-run supermarket in Baldwin, Florida, where the municipality owns the grocery store. Oh, okay. You're yeah, not, not talking not about federal, federal government. government. No. Okay. Okay. No. I think everybody no. listening understands my concern. Right. No. It's a it's a muni- municipal owned. And I'm assuming grocery. because it didn't there wasn't a grocery store before. Right. Okay. And they hire they hire the staff to work there that work for the municipality. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so then, you know, it, it's just we have to find creative ways to to get to make these solutions work for people. And, you know, those are some some ways that maybe we can help with these things in these food deserts. Yeah, absolutely. So a nod to all of those folks who are being creative, all of those folks who are donating their time and energy and effort, to all of those folks who are donating money, who are donating food, and and those who can't but who are religious in their support for those communities that are suffering. Yes. And this time of year, as we venture toward Thanksgiving, I think that need is, I think it becomes more prevalent. I think we all become more aware of it this time of year. Mm -hmm. And um, these people are people who are doing this 365 days a year. So a nod to them. A nod to them. So now that we've done food insecurity, food deserts, and I'm really pissed off that people in the military are... Not people in the military. Huh? You're not pissed off at people in the military. No, if you'd let me finish to the middle of my sentence and interrupt the beginning of yours. Well, I don't know because there was an eight-second pause in between words. Okay. Pissed off that people in the military are suffering with food insecurity. Pissed off that people in yes. the military are suffering. You yes. said I'm pissed off at people in the military. No, I said that people in the military. No. Okay, well, we're going to play that right. back. Right. And I'm going to make that clip back. a starring role. <laughs> That's going to be whole, on a loop. Gets cut. Right. <laughs> hopefully, folks, hopefully folks will check out the show notes. And remember, if your food bank doesn't take alcohol, we do. Yes, we do. But don't spend money on alcohol. <laughs> no. Take that money and buy some food and, do, and Absolutely. donate Absolutely. Um, next week, how about we give a nod to public works employees across the country? I think that would be fantastic. These are folks who work terrible hours, usually in awful conditions, and uh, they are the folks who make sure that your water's clean and that you're, you know, when you flush the toilet, it doesn't empty out into your basement. Well, that's that's very important. I think so, too. I would not enjoy sewage. I think sewage. so, too. So, all right, what do you have teed up for this week? Anything fun? Um, this weekend, I mean. Sorry. Actually, I have uh, one of the only cool things about being an attorney is every once in a while you get to do an adoption, and I get to do an adoption this weekend. On National Adoption On Day? On National Adoption that Day. That is awesome. That'll be the best thing that you do all day long. Right. I The one and only other time I've gotten to do an, do an adoption, it was for a family that I did not know. The person I was sharing office space with got sick. He asked if I could cover it for him. I said, sure. I stood there and bawled like a dumbass <laughs> over people. I did. It was so wonderful to see this family come together and i know on saturday i'm going to be a hot mess don't let her fool you she's a hot mess the other six days of the week too that's fair <laughs> <laughs> well how about we do a nod to adoption in an upcoming podcast oh i'd love to do that talk about adoption talk about the foster care system help people to kind of understand where the need is and you know, I understand everybody wants a puppy, but we have a lot, right. a lot of kids in foster care um, who are looking for their forever homes. That'd so be wonderful. How about we do that after Thanksgiving? Okay. 
That sounds great. Terrific. And that one I think we'll actually stick to. Yeah. We, we have a terrible, terrible habit, if you read last week's show notes, of, you know, forgetting kind of what it is that we were going to do. We call about. an audible every yes. once in a while. Yes, or we've just forgotten what we promised to do. So, before you go, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Take a, a snapshot of that. Send it to me at stephanie at weekendmediagroup.com. Send me your address, and I will send you a sticker. Except that I keep correcting you. The first five people who do that. Now, it has to be the five-star rating and the written review. Oh, that's right. If they will send that to you, the first five people will also get an Anod Pod coffee mug along right. with their stickers. We would like to send everybody one, but we're a bit of a budget here. That's correct. You On could, a bit of a budget. Yes. But if you want to, you know, share accolades, reach out to me, talk to me, let me know what you think, give me a suggestion for an upcoming podcast, you can reach us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon. If you want to go on Patreon, you can be part of the pod squad, and I've got some cool surprises for you. So Twitter, a nod pod, Facebook, a nod pod, Insta, a nod pod, Patreon, a nod pod. See, there's a pattern. There is indeed a pattern, and the surprises that she has for you on Patreon have absolutely nothing to do with her OnlyFans account. (laughs) Shh, we weren't talking about that anymore. (laughs) Tongues were wagging. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. We love you. We do. We hope that you have a terrific weekend. We're headed into Thanksgiving week. And for many folks, that means two and a half days of doing jack shit at the office. And it also means you have to deal with your family. So don't forget, save some of that money for alcohol. (laughs) Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and be well. (laughs) 